This is Christopher A. Paniotu of Lucia Capital Group, and this is Capitalize, the show representing a select group of intelligent investors seeking to potentially maximize every money move. We don't settle for generic advice of always and nevers. Our currency is our intellect, and we constantly seek logical ways of likely creating advantages to maximize wealth for our personal and unique situations. This show brings you renowned financial industry minds, and we strive to explore strategies and ideas to potentially help you capitalize on your financial decisions. We are capitalizers, and this is our show. Today, we have a oh-so-special guest with us, the Dr. David Blanchett. Now, before we get into the interview, a brief yet oh-so-proper introduction is much needed for this steward of a financial marvel. Now, for starters, David is the head of retirement research at Morningstar Investment Management, one of the largest independent financial research planning firms in the world. He's published over a hundred fantastic articles on various retirement topics. In 2014, Money Magazine coined him one of the brightest minds in retirement research. Not only is he a CFP, not only is he a CFA, he went back for one more degree to get his doctorate, his PhD in personal financial planning. To cap all of that off, David is an incredibly humble man, but most importantly, or unimportantly, depending on how you like it, the only thing I'm ever going to hold against him is he is a giant Kentucky basketball fan. So with all of that, welcome to the show. Be here. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when we met, the first thing I told you was how thankful I was for all of your incredible research. In all seriousness, if it was not for you and your research, a lot of us planners, myself included, I don't know where we'd be today. Now, before we dive into the book of our interview today, I want you to kind of give our viewers at home a little bit of your background because you weren't always on the research side. You used to be on our side of the fence. So tell us I'm a little bit about yourself. Fence, Chris. I'm still there. <laughs> I know. Um, well, no. So, I mean, um, you know, if I go way back, I used to do financial planning for people. Um, I was actually drawn to the industry in high school. I don't know what it was, but I always liked the idea of helping people make better financial decisions. And so, um, you know, over time I did planning. I really enjoyed the research side of things. And so I, I, I make the joke that I've been climbing an ivory tower for 15 or 20 years. And, you know, today, while I'm not doing planning for individuals, I, I do kind of help institutions and other folks develop tools that implements financial planning. So um, I'm still I'm still working with you just in a different way uh, than I was maybe originally. So would you categorize yourself more as the uh, I don't know the the planner of planners, if you will? Yeah, I'm the I'm the, the guy that helps create the tools that planners use um, for financial plans. Uh, I work you know with a robo advisor as well. Um, I help other institutions that that have planners develop models. It's just a a whole hodgepodge of things. It sounds like absolutely loads of fun for you, me, and like five other people. And I think everyone else is just ecstatic to hire someone like you. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Let's get into the bulk of the discussion today. Let's take it back to May 29th of this year. So Think Advisor posted an article that summed up a webinar 
that you and another great uh, researcher, Michael Fink, uh, summed up withdrawal rates for pre-retirees and retirees. Not to get into the weeds, because I want you to talk about the majority of this, but back in December of 2019, you were actually saying that was the time to take some of these gains off the top of, uh, of the market and move into something more conservative. Now, Lucia, we're all about buckets. That's our identity. So for us, our term is rebucketizing. Now you fast forward to today, markets are arguably at their high again. So question one, does that same strategy still apply in your humble opinion? And then also, let's pretend this was March 31st. Would you still rebucketize to make sure that a client is properly ready for retirement withdrawal rates? Talk to us about that. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, so, you know, from my perspective, like buckets are a great behavioral way to help clients understand how they can take risk in a portfolio to accomplish a goal. You know, I actually... When I was a planner, I have experience using buckets. I'll never forget a client, you know, I showed them they should be in a 60-40 portfolio and they freaked out. And when you show it to them in three different buckets, oh, it seems totally fine, right? So what you're doing is you're kind of repackaging a portfolio to help them understand how it's going to help them accomplish their financial goals. Um, I think that the way it works, though, really varies by client. Um, you know, engineers are different than an office worker. And so I think really... The key behind all of it is is how do you help someone make better financial decisions? And you know, a lot of that is is definitely rebalancing. It's definitely getting the portfolio back to its target. Um, but that can be hard to do, right? It, it's hard to tell someone when the markets are down, hey, let's buy more equities effectively. But that is smart investing historically. I think it is for the future. So again, everybody's different, but I think you know, the you know, creating strategies that helps them understand how to make the portfolio work for them is one of the most important things advisors do. So making all incredible points. Um, I'm thinking of, it's really easy when the market is up to look at a client and say, hey, first off, the market is up. So that's always a fun conversation. Let's take some of that gain off of the table. Specifically, clients that come to us that are, that are new, um, where it gets kind of interesting is, let's say that opportunity was missed but you still need to have some proper diversification, whether it's a stock, an alternative, an annuity, bond, et cetera. Go back to March 31st. Let's play a worst comes to worst for a second. Would that still apply or how would you handle a situation like that? Well, I mean, to your point, you know, the one thing that, that advisors should always be doing as markets go up is setting expectations, right? Um, unfortunately, markets don't go up forever, right? They, they have to go down at some point. And so, Hopefully what you're doing is, is as markets go up, you are taking gains off the table and you're saying, hey, you know, right now it's it's easier to to de-risk because we've made money. You're going to actually add on risk to some extent when things go bad. And so if you prepare them for that, hopefully it's not as painful as it might be when, when they're a new client. But to your point, for a new client, it can be different. I mean, everyone's different. Right. And so, you know, it, it, the key is to keep them in the plan. And I think. Too often when people do research and everything else, they assume that one, clients are rational, and that two, that clients will keep their advisor. And so, you know, the worst thing that, you know, if you have a good strategy, the worst thing that can happen is for some reason the client doesn't understand it or like it, and then they fire you and do the exact opposite of what you were suggesting, right? So I think, I think from my perspective, there isn't, there isn't one right answer. 
it's, it's really what it takes for the client to follow, you know, the right path over time. So number one, what I got out of that is it pays to have a plan. And would you also agree that investments come and go, but a solid strategy should remain intact. And then we can, I don't know, kind of play with the different investments depending on what the strategy gives us. Is that kind of what you're saying? Well, I mean, I think I think good investing is actually pretty boring. Um, for the most part, you're buying a diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds and other stuff. I think that, that where things get dicey is when the markets misbehave and they go down 11% in a day. And especially if you're kind of close to retirement or at retirement, like that's very real, right? I mean, I think that if you talk to like a, a, a 30-year-old, you know, their portfolio went down, like they don't even know what retirement means. But I think that the, the wealth impact is very real when you're about to use that money to spend in retirement. And so people's responses to these market events can vary significantly based upon how old they are or where they are in retirement. Yeah. And and by the way, that was no offense by David's part on 30-year-olds out there, just letting everyone know. Now, based on everything that you just said, which I totally could not agree with more, what are you seeing uh, planners doing today for those clients as far as the pre-retirees and retirees? And if they're not doing what you think, what would you say planners should be adding to add the most value? Well, I mean, I think that, that you know, planners is kind of a broad, a broad bucket. You know, planners do a lot of different <laughs> things. I mean, you know, I, I, had, I had some experience working with a lot of planners back in um, the 2008 crisis. And uh, I saw some of them make some pretty terrible decisions. I actually had one planner that I knew that moved his clients like all the cash, like three days before uh. the market bottom, and then never got them back into it. And so um, it's not that you don't want to try to time the market some. I think that there's a benefit to being a little tactical, I think that, but you can't send the wrong signal. I don't, th you know, I don't like the idea of, of advisors saying, hey, let's, you know, move all of it to equities, all the cash or whatever else it is. I think that the key is the, is to keep clients investor for the long haul and focus more on kind of the other stuff. I think that investments can add can add value, but it's the financial plan, it's the strategy, it's the goal. That's what really matters. And so investments are an important part of that, but it's not the only part. It's the other stuff that I think actually adds the most value in these relationships. Awesome. Now, switching gears, we could talk about people in the pre-retiree and retire me uh, sector, if you will, all day long. But let's give a little shout out to the youngins out there that are 10, 15, 20, 25, maybe even 30 years away from retirement. Unlike those that are getting ready to retire, you've stated multiple times in this interview that you could argue, hey, write it out, be patient and be prudent in your process. But with that, I think it would be valuable to give some guidance for these, these young uh, investors and, and clients out there. So what would you say to this group is the most important or the most important things, not only from an investment side, but from a planning side to stay prudent? Well, you know, uh, to all the young guns out there, um, this, this might sound counterintuitive, but the investments actually don't matter a whole lot. Um, what really matters if you're younger is that you're good at saving money for your financial goals. And, you know, I intentionally use the word financial goals, not retirement, because, you know, whether you invest in a target date fund or an equity fund, if you're only saving 3% of what you make, that, that's not going to cut it. 
right? And so I, I think the key really is is figuring out how you as an individual can become a better saver. And the advice that I often give is, is try to save for the things that you care about, right? If you've got a 401k, you need to get that match. But, you know, maybe it makes more sense for you to pay off your student loans or to save for a house if you're willing to save more to do so. Right. So I think that, you know, too often advisors will get caught up in, oh, stocks can do 8% a year. Why would you pay off a loan that's only at a 3% interest? Well, if I'm willing to sock away twice as much money, pay off that loan, that that helps me as, a, as an investor and as a saver. And so I think the goal then really should be, you know, one, save as much as you can. Um, but then two, delegate, don't do it yourself, you know, like and put the money in a targeted fund or a balance or whatever else it is because it's it's not easy to beat the market and most people shouldn't try. No, absolutely not. And you brought up an awesome point in the balancing act between what we would say is academic, uh, academically, excuse me, appropriate, and then the emotional side of things. Um, where do you see, actually, let me rephrase this. Do you see that being one of the largest challenges that we have in today's environment? I don't know. I mean, so I guess I don't. I don't quite follow your question. I mean, I think that 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 most people don't have financial planners. Most people get their advice like online or from like random friends, and that's just not a good strategy, right? Um, but I, you know, I, I think I think that too often people that that work in this industry are, are focused on investment outcomes, and not always what I would say like are more holistic behavioral outcomes. And so, I mean. Saving is like the least fun thing to do ever, right? No one likes to save money, but we do it because we want to accomplish financial goals. And so I think that, that you know, the focus needs to be, how do I make that as, as painless as possible for people? And, you know, again, if you're younger, you know, what is retirement? If you're, if you're, I'm 38 or nine years old, I'm not going to retire for like 30 years, but I'm still saving for retirement because that's what I do. But for a lot of people, it's just not a realistic thing to save for. They've got student loans. And so I'd say, okay, well, then pay off your loans. They might say, well, the interest rate's only 3%. I don't care. That is a form of saving money. You know, the key is, is, is to get yourself prepared for financial success. And it doesn't always mean you're following the most kind of Vulcan logical path to get there. Yeah. And in actually going off of the whole idea of financial success, one question that, and it comes up in multiple ways, when clients come through, or I guess, quote unquote, through the doors, because not everyone can come into the office given the circumstance, but whether it's a Zoom call or whatever the case may be, the biggest question I get from clients, and it's regardless of their net worth or circumstances, have I done enough? Have I saved enough? Or how am I doing versus the average person? I always think that's kind of an interesting thing because what's average? So my question to you, given someone who's seen, frankly, more than the average bear, even the most sophisticated bear or bull, sorry, it's a finance joke. What would you define as ultimate financial success? I mean, it's just, it's just accomplishing your, your goals, whatever they are. I mean, some people don't need money to do that. I mean, there's, 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 there's human capital, there's social capital, there's financial capital. I mean, I mean, if you look at retirees, they're actually a really happy bunch, and most of them are are pretty broke. I, you know, I don't know that I would I want to compare myself against the <laughs> average investor or saver because the average saver isn't doing a very good job. Um, you know, I, I mean, financial wealth is you know gives you freedom, but it won't necessarily make you happy, right? And 
And retirees have done a pretty good job about, you know, finding happiness other ways. But, you know, a lot of people, it's, it's really important to them that, that they want to travel. They want to see their grandkids. They want to do things. And it takes sacrifices to get there. Right. And so, again, it's, it's finding that that way that, that, that you're comfortable doing that. And as a society, we are we are terrible savers. We are just the worst savers around. And so I, I like that. I'd like to see that change. But I, I just don't know that it will um, for a whole host of reasons. Yes. And I could probably do an entire separate interview just on that topic alone. Um, I guess my my big set, like sub question on that is the whole concept of the difference between being rich and then being wealthy. I learned a long time ago uh, when I first started in this industry at, at UBS was there's, a, there's two types of wealth. There's balance sheet wealth and income sheet wealth. Income sheet wealth is what you make. Balance sheet wealth is what you're worth. And I mean, I tell people the same thing. At the end of the day, no one really cares. I mean, there's always going to be someone out there that's more x right two x two x three x yeah i mean okay now we're getting really depressing um so it's just one of those things where you you think about it and and it really doesn't matter but what would you say is been the most effective strategy for you getting people to remove a lot of those kind of negative connotations and just look at it at face value so i mean like what do you mean by negative connotations yeah, so people come in and they go, well, in fact, I had a, a, a new client a couple of weeks ago. They go, how are we doing versus the average 62-year-old? Who cares? I, I, well, I didn't say who cares, but I could. You know, in, in my head, one of the things was, well, it says who. We, yeah. we, I, I have clients that are worth whatever it is, million, two million. And sometimes I look at it going, ooh, they are spending to the brim of what they can can do. We have a couple clients that are worth a couple hundred thousand to their name that have retired, grown, et cetera, and they are loving life. We have to force them to spend their money because you, you can't take money with you after you die. That's I, I don't think that's how it works. So my question, I guess, is just how to get people to really just remove all that and enjoy it because it blocks the enjoyment from retirement. Well, I mean, so like, you know, I don't know if this answers your question, but, you know, one thing that I think is very real is this fear of spending money. I think that it's really, really hard to have a portfolio that you've got to spend down every month or every quarter, every year for some unknown time period, right? So I think that you need to think about ways to make it easier to spend down. But, you know, for that client that comes in that's 62 that says, how am I doing? You know, to your point, everyone's different. I'll never forget when I, I actually first, one of my jobs earlier on was to do financial plans for advisors. And I, I was just shocked that everyone's number was different. Like there wasn't a single planet that had, that had the same like target income goal at retirement. That's because everyone is different. And so to me, you know, when someone says, well, how am I doing? It's, it's more of, well, what do you want to accomplish? And so like, you know, this is, this is the path you're on right now. How do you feel about that path? And if you don't like it, you know, you're going to have to make changes. And that's really kind of about it. Because to your point, you know, like my parents retired at the age of like 52 because they had a generous pension because they were both teachers and they're doing great, but they're happy. I mean, are they wealthy? They're, they're not wealthy by a lot of definitions, but they're happy because they like what they've got. And so, you know, to me, it's, it's everyone's different, but it's about helping them find that place that they can get to that, 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 that lets them save or spend how they want to. 
Yeah. Well, and also for your parents, having you as a son is like a cheat code, right? <laughs> I mean, no, like, they, actually, they, they don't. I, I guess I think it's this issue. Like, if it's your kid, they just you just don't trust them. But like, they still are like, like I don't know. If we can trust David to give us financial advice. I'm like, like, what are you talking about? You know? Yeah. 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 Well, and also it goes back to your humbleness, where it's not going to be like, mom, dad, like, you know who I am. <laughs> like, I I totally totally get where you're coming from on that. Now. Um, one thing that, because we're almost out of time, but but you brought something up earlier about the 60-40 stock bond mix. And for those of you that, that are watching, back in the day, if someone wanted a, a balanced blended portfolio, not too much risk, not too little risk, it was kind of this popular belief where you would have 60% of your portfolio in stocks, something more aggressive. And then 40% of your portfolio in bonds, which is going to be something more conservative. And you basically just ride that out until retirement. David, you actually brought up an article. Um, actually, it was you and Rob Arnault, another researcher, shout out to Rob, on the fact that that type of portfolio, it's not looking good for our 60-40 heroes out there for the foreseeable future. Because of that, not to get into the weeds, because I don't want to get too complex, but what would you say to mitigate a lot of those risks that a 60% stock, 40% bond market have? Because there is a lot of risks there. We don't know what the next half of this year is going to look like. That is for darn sure. But we know interest rates are super low. And when interest rates rise, it's not looking good for our bond heroes out there. And if there's a correction with the stock market, uh-oh, when the tide goes out, that could be kind of scary. So what are your thoughts on all of that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that you know, the, the word unprecedented has been used a lot to describe the market for the first two quarters of 2020 or 2020, whatever. Um, it's still 2020. <laughs> we're um, and I don't know that that's going to change, right? And so I think that it's it's really important that you have a portfolio that is that you're going to be comfortable sticking with. I, I actually really like the 60-40 portfolio you know, half-ish your portfolio in stocks, half-ish in bonds. I think, you know, there's a few important things like you should have, you know, high quality bonds like government bonds for most of the, the, the fixed income piece. Maybe have a lot of, you know, U.S. international equities for the for the stock piece. But, um, you know, it's going to go up and down. That's part of investing. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't like market volatility. And I say, well, if you don't want market volatility, you can go out and buy treasury bonds, but they're yielding like, not even one percent right now. And if point one five as of yesterday. <laughs> a financial plan where you where you where you have one percent return on bonds, and then you, you tack on you know uh, you know uh, taxes, fees, inflation. That 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 dramatically changes everything. So it, it's a choice. I mean, if you don't want if you don't want market risk, you can save a lot. But I think most people have to kind of you know have that risk. And so the, the key is not then taking on too much risk. You know, I've had I've talked to people that say, oh, I'm behind. I'm going to invest in all in equities and that can have the opposite impact. That can actually make you further in the hole versus helping you out. So again, it's about finding kind of that sweet spot that you're okay with the portfolio, regardless of how the market moves. Right. And, and yeah, I seriously, I could interview you for hours on end, but then it would just be you and me. And then maybe our parents are watching and that's about it. I, mine so, aren't watching. I could take yeah. it. <laughs> okay. So it, just to kind of close this out. So this is July. Again, we have no idea. And I guess every July, you could argue, no one knows what's going to happen for the next half of the year. But holy cow, uh, you know, these first seven months of 2020, I, my 
teammate Betty and I, we've joked, it's been the longest four years of our lives. So, I mean, we have no idea what's going to happen for the next, the next couple months, but what are some of the things that you would uh, recommend for people to look out for both in things that you can control and things that are uncertain and we need to mitigate? Well, I mean, you know, to your point, we can't control the market. Um, the market had rallied, you know, it's rallied quite a bit since, you know, the end of Q1, let's just say it could go back down again, right? We could have an, a, a terrorist attack, we could have another pandemic, who knows, right? The key is, 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 is you know, people that, that, that get, get hurt investing, they panic, they, they sell out. And so an important question is always, what can you do to mitigate that feeling of shock. And a lot of folks, I think it's having a financial advisor, having someone they can rely on to keep them to stay the course, right? So that's the kind of the, the uncertain thing that you cannot control market volatility. What can you control? Like, again, like, you know, do you have enough insurance? Are you saving enough for retirement? You know, like, are you making good financial choices with what you've got, acknowledging the uncertainty? And I know a lot of folks have, have lost their jobs or, you know, bad things have happened. And so for them, I'd say, you know, you know, it, it's, it's rough right now. Um, but, you know, start planning ahead. So, you know, when you when you do get another job, when things turn around, you know, don't just all of a sudden go buy a new car, you know, create a plan so that, you know, when you recover financially or you get back on your feet or whatever, you know what you're going to do so you don't make kind of impulsive or reckless decisions. Awesome. Awesome. And David, I wanted to say thank you so much. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. And we'd love to have you back again. Sure. If you have any questions about today's episode, questions you'd like answered for a future video, or your personal financial situation, send me an email at chrisp at luciacap.com or give me a call at 253-214-7844. To stay up to date with my latest podcast, subscribe to Capitalize on Spotify or Google Play. I'm Christopher A. Paniotu, the Cap and Capitalize, and don't forget to continue to capitalize on your finances. Until next time, may you enjoy wealth, health, and happiness. The information provided should not be considered specific tax, legal, or investment advice and is not specific to any individual's personal circumstances. To the extent that this material concerns tax matters, it is not intended or written to be used and cannot be used by a taxpayer for the purpose of avoiding penalties that may be imposed by law. Each taxpayer should seek independent advice from a tax professional based on his or her individual circumstances. Different types of investments and or investment strategies involve varying levels of risk and there can be no assurance that any specific investment or investment strategy, including the investments purchased and or investment strategies devised by LCG, will either be suitable or profitable for clients or prospective client's portfolio. Thus, investments may result in a loss of principal. Accordingly, no client or prospective client should assume that the presentation or any component thereof serves as the receipt of or a substitute for personalized advice from LCG or from any other investment professional. You should always seek counsel of the appropriate advisor prior to making any investment decision. All investments are subject to risk, including the loss of principal. This material was gathered from sources believed to be reliable. However, its accuracy cannot be guaranteed. These materials are provided for general information and educational purposes based upon publicly available information from sources believed to be reliable. We cannot assure the accuracy or completeness of these materials. The information in these materials may change at any time and without notice. Examples cited or hypothetical are for illustrative purposes only, are not guaranteed, and subject to potential federal and state law amendments. There is no guarantee that you will achieve the results discussed or illustrated. Diversification strategies do not ensure a profit and cannot protect against losses in a declining market. It is important to keep in mind that investments in fixed income products are subject to liquidity or market risk, interest rate risk, bonds ordinarily decline in price when interest rates rise and rise in price when interest rates fall, financial or credit risk, inflation or purchasing power risk, and special 
special tax liabilities. Interest may be subject to the alternative minimum tax. Treasury securities are backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government but are subject to inflation risk. Before investing, carefully consider a target date fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. To obtain a prospectus or summary prospectus, which contains this and other information, call your financial advisor. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Target date funds are subject to the volatility of the financial markets, including equity and fixed income investments in the U.S. and abroad, and may be subject to risks associated with investing in high-yield, small-cap, and commodity-related foreign securities. Principal invested is not guaranteed at any time, including at or after target dates. Treasury securities are backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government, but are subject to inflation risk. The information contained herein does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy securities. Investment products described herein may not be offered for sale in any state or jurisdiction in which such an offer, solicitation, or sale would be unlawful or prohibited by the specific offering documentation. Christopher Panagiotu is a registered representative with and securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and member FINRA SIPC. The investment professionals are affiliated with LPL Financial and are conducting business using the name Lucia Capital Group, a separate entity from LPL Financial. David Blanchett and Morningstar Investment Management are not affiliated with LPL Financial or Lucia Capital Group.